Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here with James from Northeastern University. How I have a surname, sir. James Heathers. James A. Thank J. Thank you very Heathers. much. Although, according to the Social Security Administration of the United States, my name is James Andrew John Heathers. So they go with they the left full a, thing. They left, a, they left a space out, so I'm James Andrew. <laughs> That's not going to um, cause I have a, a social headache, security number now in the name of James Andrew. So, God only knows how that happened. <laughs> Uh, I probably need to get it changed, as that's not technically my name. But um, it's nice to know that you can get it wrong as well, even though you've known me for years. And we've just spent the last <laughs> hour talking about a paper that we're writing, and now we're doing a podcast. Yeah. So that's obviously insulting, so it's good to see you too. <laughs> I apologize in advance. We were recording this podcast in the middle of the day, and our new second-floor apartment is, has substantially higher ambient noise than our previous fourth floor apartment so hopefully we will not get too many sirens uh people listening to bad latin hip-hop at a volume (laughs) usually reserved for sonic weaponry um street arguments broken bottles car crashes and similar almost started tally uh, well, we're, well, I have started taking an accident tally for the horrible <laughs> intersection outside, and we have been here since the 1st of September, so that is 35 days, and we're up to three. Okay. Bit of a black spot. Um, most of Boston, frankly, is a accident hazard zone because mm. of the way people drive, which is badly. Um, I don't know if this is any more or less bad than other places. Only time will tell, Dan. You need a proper sampling window. Gosh. (laughs) Science, man. It's science. It's all about science. Sampling windows, sir. Those are scientific words. Well, speaking of of science... uh, Hey, the segue (laughs) is back. It is back. Today we're going to be talking about... science. Today we're going to be talking about how we actually... Discover new things, discover new techniques. Uh, things are always shifting, things are changing. I remember I thought of this because a few days ago, I was reading an article which was um, talking about the, the benefits of Bayesian analysis versus uh, frequentist analysis. Mm-hmm. And this was, um, this was written in, um, I think it was written in the early 90s. And um, right. they basically were concluding that, um, you know, we're, we're teaching this stuff, but um, they're almost, you know, res- putting their hands up in the air going, but we, we just know it's never going to catch on. People are stuck with frequentist analysis. And this was in the 90s before there was even any good software uh, to perform Bayesian analysis. And now we're just mm-hmm. saying it's, it's not going to change. This is what's entrenched in, uh, in academia when it comes to just, to statistics and i think there's a lot of ideas that are entrenched and take take a long while to uh, take, take a while to move so how do things actually change how do we that's learn that's a very stuff? good question sir how do things actually change uh sorry if that was muffled i had a cat between me and the microphone <laughs> do you want to get a do you want to get a, a today's today's photo of the, the mascot i can do today's photo of the uh everything hurts mascot do you know why he's an appropriate mascot for us, Dan? Why? Because he's adorable, but he essentially has no idea what he's doing at any mm-hmm. given point in time. Just like science dog. Mm-hmm. Chemistry dog. Yeah. 
Exactly, a chemistry dog. Yeah, we'll post we'll post that one if if you're unfamiliar. Everyone has seen chemistry that, dog down. That, the internet's been around <laughs> for years, man. I think that was the first meme I ever saw, and I'm like, this meme thing, this is this is incredible. <laughs> yeah. I, I was actually um uh, I, was, I was always impressed by how, how they got a how they got a dog to hold a conical yeah. flask. <laughs> I, I was at a I was at a conference um a few uh, about five about five years ago. And um, somehow it was it was veering into some sort of evolutionary stuff, and um, oh and great! Then, and then yeah, and then someone someone stands up ask ask a question at the end, going, well, you know, how do you think this um, you know, this sort of in the context of memes, but the the the, the person was was sort of asking in the con- like a like a, um, a, a Richard Dawkins type approach when it comes to memes, but then the, the speaker. Was was extremely confused when uh, when memes was brought up. Thinking, are you are you referring to the thing with the cats? And then, all, <laughs> God. And then all anyone in the audience under the age of twenty five just doubled over over in laughter, and the rest of the audience was thinking, <laughs> what what what's going on? And, and the and the person was like, no, I'm, I'm, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm more thinking about how um now uh, Dawkins talks about memes and how things are, are transferred and how information is transferred. So. Memes and yeah. the cats, but we 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 digress. We are talking about how things change. What about for, uh, yeah. for also, you? Also, did you just say I, I thought that was Susan Blackmore's idea? It could have been, but I think it was popularized mm-hmm. by Dawkins. I'm sure. I'm oh, yeah, okay. it probably wasn't made up by Dawkins. Well, he's popularized a few things, like being a dick to people yeah. on the internet. He's into that as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So, learning thing. What what have you learnt in the last few years? anything that you've learned when it comes to methods or just science in general uh that's a good question um i think the 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 older that you get and now in what i suppose is technically postdoc number two um you end up consolidating things more than you do the great fresh new thing you really start to run out of time for the big fresh new thing uh, the stuff that I've been working on most recently is adding adding different techniques to the sort of the, the MATLAB toolbox, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So I've spent a lot a lot of time learning more stuff about time frequency analysis and looking for different ways that information is transferred between two signals and what that actually means. Uh, you, you know, you've got two streams of data. Like, how do they inform each other if they are both they're both two cyclical streams of data? How do they inform each other? It's not a straightforward question. Mm. Um, one thing I would like that's actually on my radar. I always have, you know, I always have something on the radar. It's like, what's the big thing you'd like to learn? The big thing that I would like to learn right now, if possible, is called FNIR. Okay. Um, now it's not, I know that sounds kind of awesome. Like it's something from an Odinist religion, but it's, it's not, it's functional near infrared spectroscopy. Okay. Um, basically it's exactly the same principle as monitoring heart rate by shooting light through tissue and measuring the changes in the light over time to look at heartbeats. You're doing exactly the same thing, only you're using a friggin' head. <laughs> so you can basically monitor tissue oxygenation in the head in real time. 
And why are you interested in the head in particular? Well, it's almost as if I worked in a psychology department and they occasionally forced <laughs> me to learn stupid things about the head. Um, but main, I think that it has a, it has a lot of applications, if, especially if I'm going to stay within... I mean, my lab technically right now is a developmental laboratory with specific interest in autism. Mm. So can you think of reasons that uh, measuring the oxygenation of the frontal cortices, and this is a frontal thing, it's a strap that goes across the front of your head. Mm. Um, can you think of reasons that would be relevant to, say, issues of executive function? Plenty within autism. Res response inhibition? Yeah, exactly plenty within autism. So it's related to things I already know. The mm -hmm. hardware is available to buy, and it's a whole it's a whole new area of a whole a whole new ability to uh, derive knowledge from signals. Now, is which this is what I think of in terms of a skill? Is that kind of like a scale down MRI, looking at the blood oxygen the, the bold signal? Well, it's it's yeah, I suppose it's I suppose it's it's related in that sense, but um, it doesn't it's not measuring. Obviously, it's not not measuring the location of the the the, the change in magnetism by shooting magnets at it. It's simply shining light through it. Mm. Uh, the reason that it works is that you have two spectra. You have two spectra of light, and the, the what what is similar to what is similar to uh, fMRI in the traditional sense is that hemoglobin oxygenated or deoxygenated has a uh, a different what's called a, a molar molar extinction coefficient in other words th that to think of think of it as a, the absorptive factor or something like that as you go along the wavelength the, the different sorts of hemoglobin act differently mm. so it's like having a an optical monitor think of the the, the, the monitor you use on the back of a phone where it has a little thing, it's measuring the red shift in your finger as it shoots the camera light of the phone into the finger. So as your pulse is changing, the um, as the, the pulse is changing, the signal's changing. It's the same principle, only you have two wavelengths of light and it's measuring the change over time, um, as in not over such a small time scale. Uh, it's measuring the change over time in the oxygenation of the tissue. Mm. So I don't understand it well enough to explain it in a non-boring fashion on the podcast further than that. But like I said, if you've got to have something in mind, I firmly believe in the, you know, the that would be cool aspect of maintaining an interest in something you could move to. Yeah, yeah. That, that'd, be, that'd be my thing. Yeah, Are you going to answer those questions yourself now? Because this is more detail. I thought we were going to talk about this in general, and now you're asking me specific. Anyone who's listening previously has now made serious evaluative life decisions. Now I've explained all that. <laughs> um, I, for me, one thing I'd love to pick up, and which I, which I might be doing in the future, is... Herpes. Just, <laughs> no, is doing um, genetics analysis or ana analysis of genetic data. We've got a oh, ton. Okay. Yeah, could we have be slightly more specific. Yeah, so we have a we have a ton of um, of data looking at gene wide association studies, um, but also in particular um, looking at uh, single nucleotide polymorphisms. Um, and because we have that right. data, um, and it, and it's there, and it suits uh, a lot of what I'm going to be doing in the future, particularly when it comes to the role of the oxytocin system in uh, metabolic function. Uh, I think this will be really cool because we have 
um, some not 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 comprehensive, but some pretty good data on metabolic function uh, within uh, people with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And we also have a um, uh, their genomes maps, or at least enough for a gene-wide association study. So there's a lot of opportunity to do some really cool analysis there. It's there, but I'm you saying the data the data already already exists. You have a certain amount of access. Um, and you mean that's a, 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 a level of analyzing anything that has genetic in the name doing um looking for the SNPs is pretty sort of introductory level, but that's obviously what you want to start with. Yeah, so I'll start with that, and um, because yeah, the the expertise is there. I work with some bloody brilliant pe- people who who are on the forefront of actually developing these uh, statistical methods. So that that's going to be uh, a really cool thing to do and um you know I, th- I think it's the it's the next step as well and also doing um doing basic um mr analysis as well because we have same sort of thing access to all those mri data right okay so what's the, the, the think of it think of it from your perspective mm. now would it be easy to get someone else to do it yeah that, that's <laughs> that's what i'm thinking of because i'm, I'm going to be getting a um, a student next year so yeah, but you don't just want to get someone else to do it, do you, Daniel? No, I want to learn how to do it. Why? Why do you want to so learn can, things, you filthy animal? So I can understand it. You know, anyone can get the data and get you know repeat it, wrote what what we found, but don't want to understand it. Understand how all these things fit together. We were having this conversation yesterday, weren't we? Anyone can do it given access to the right tools, but what happens when it goes wrong? Well, oh. what happens when it goes wrong? Is that uh, what's that? This is specifically we were talking about uh, as yesterday, um, as usual. In between uh, normal conversation, um, I was making fun of you for doing oxytocin research and meta analysis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, uh, someone which I'll defend to the who, end. Uh, what specifically? Both. Yes, I know, and it's a character failing, but I love you anyway. <laughs> so. Oh, this is a super uh, a general, interesting this, story. This, this is this is a particularly this speaks very well to the idea of sort of deeper skill development. Here's here's the quote, and we'll put it into perspective. We have discovered several significant errors in our published meta analysis, <clears throat> comparing the effect of intranasal oxytocin <clears throat> versus placebo administration on psychiatric symptoms. So. Correcting these errors changed the main result of this study. The primary error was a misspecification of the direction of several outcomes. That's a problem. <laughs> uh, the reason for the error is the program we used, comprehensive meta-analysis, requires users to manually enter the direction of the effects. Something that you would think was a relatively simple process, but mm. something that... This gentleman, who I have no reason to believe is anything other than generally competent and honest, and certainly someone who will pull their own work, having discovered an error in it, is definitely on the side of the righteous. Well, in this general. is this is actually an interesting story because um, this was, uh, and it's, there's been a lot of controversy. Well, not a lot of controversy, but there's been a lot of discussion here. Uh, this was brought to the attention of both the author and the editor um, by two postdocs. Um, and they were doing some meta-analysis, looked at this, thought, hang on, something doesn't quite add up. Did the reanalysis correcting for the, um, the, the direction of the effect? And then uh, I'm not sure if they contacted the author first or the editor or both at the same time, but they were the ones who 
basically found this and and notified um the the uh, the the journal and the author so mm-hmm. yeah so i mean it, it's good that the author um did this but the author the author didn't find it themselves the author found it because these other people pointed it out um yes now yeah. let's not uh, let's not get too bogged down into the details of this because we have a general point and the general point is if you're using something like the comprehensive meta analysis program but you do not have a particularly good understanding of a, the software, B, the deeper meaning of what you were trying to achieve and how it fits together with the pattern of results that you've found. If you don't have a good feel for what you're doing, mm. you end up publishing in what is a fairly well-regarded Yeah, journal, so psychiatry research, it's around, it's around the middle somewhere. They, they, they do some good stuff. I like psychiatry research. Quick turnarounds. Okay. Quick turnarounds. Oh. Good, 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 yeah. good, good. But now, the, point, the... the point being, at some point in time, if you want to prevent yourself from having this sort of thing happen in the first place, you your skill sets, your ability to check your own assumptions mm. cannot... You can't simply be excited by the prospect of being able to do a thing because you may be able to produce an outcome, but the outcome may be shit on fire. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it's, and a lot of people are not as honest as this guy, no matter how it went down. If you write to a journal having your own study book, some people fight this stuff to the ends of the earth. Yeah? People mm-hmm. who don't have... So it's like people who hop into HIV research, do an HIV study. If it's bad and it gets, it gets criticized, you've got, you've got two options. I'm using this as in context because we both understand it. You've got two options. One is to go, no, it wasn't. It wasn't me. I never. All right, put your hands over your ears because basically, you know, you've got a you've study published, and that's the important thing. And anyone who's criticizing it can go fuck themselves. Or you can try and understand what it is that actually went wrong. And there are two very divergent responses to criticism. Mm-hmm. We saw this when we did the Grimm paper. Is this a because? If this is like a comet hitting your lab when someone comes out of nowhere and goes, oh, by the way, that paper that you published and we found a series of inconsistencies that essentially mean the data can't be real. So that's a problem you might want to consider. There were a few people with gritted teeth who went, oh, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. And other people went, oh, this is a really good, this is good. This is like a good lesson. We have to change our data handling procedures. What else did you find? Oh, well, there's an inconsistency in this section and this section. What happens? And I get back to you three days later. We had a version control thing happen when we moved between data sets. We've actually used two versions of that. I mean, it doesn't change any of the conclusions, but this could have scuttled the whole thing we could have had we could have been using two different parts of two different analyses. We think the first one was wrong. We forgot to take all these people out. They shouldn't have been there. It's good you pointed this out. We have to change how we do the procedures, and and and, and they're grateful to everything short of sending you money to buy yourself alcohol. That's the desired response. Yeah, mm. and it ranges from that all the way through to if you're doing criticism in the first place, then. Or I don't think it's a nice thing to do. And science, of course, has no interest in your opinion of niceties. It has an interest in being correct and hopefully saving ourselves from the heat death of the universe and the, the travails of a dying planet and the continual human filth we see ourselves surrounded by. And other such cheery matters as that. 
Point being, if you don't want to end up in that situation, uh, it's best to have your own back with skills that have depth. Mm. And one of the ways to make them more and more and more useful is to throw them into relief by getting new ones. If you did something right now, if you if you found some specific thing right now, a skill, a method of analysis, something to study, and it made everything else, you're like, oh wow, this is I've I've checked and rechecked my assumptions on this, and this is now really super useful. How would you feel? Well, you'd you'd want to double check that things actually right. You'd be excited. I just said you double-checked it, and then you've gone, oh, you want to double-check it. I think caution is probably one of the (laughs) first things. Yeah, but, yeah, look, you originally, why did you originally want to do this topic? Uh, I mean, that, um, what you brought up before about um, that uh, people not understanding software, for one, that was really interesting, because I see it a lot, and I see it a lot in the the papers that I review. Um, You can almost... You can always judge the quality of a paper by seeing the software that they use because some software or some forms of analyses force you to better actually understand what the data is doing. Now, comprehensive right. meta-analysis is point and click for, uh, for meta-analysis and it makes it incredibly easy to put the data in, push some buttons and you get some nice plots and you get the asterisks for significances and everyone's happy. Um, it's uh, it's not the best software, to be honest, but it makes meta-analysis extremely easy. And uh, it's almost... I've, I see more and more papers which actually use it because it becomes very easy. People in the lab going, oh, we better do a meta-analysis because everyone else is doing it. What do we do? People yeah, log online. I, I, sent you, I sent you a, a link on what Johnny and Edith said about the current... Uh, I'd say rash of meta-analyses. I'd say more sort of... Is there any word that implies a torrent that's specific to a sewage pipe? (laughs) There is not, is there? I don't think there's any sewage-specific words I can use in this particular scenario. But um, what was the the exact quote? This is, uh, uh, according to uh, the easily produced publishable units and marketing tools. Hmm. So if you're looking at something like that in terms of, I know what I'll do, it will allow me to do five of the science when previously I'd only been allowed to do three of the science. Ha 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 Um, Yeah, well, he knows what he's talking about and he thinks you're a fucking parasite. So, you know, evaluate your life choices, basically. What do you think, Dan, when you see someone who's doing that, they acquire the ability to do something... And then use it to the ends of the earth in a in a in a self serving way like that. I guess someone who's just oh, I've learned how to do a meta analysis. I'll meta analyze everything, and it's it's fields they have no interest in whatsoever. They just start aggregating all the shit they can find, turning <laughs> it out into the literature. Just these clumps. I I find this is like if you do this, uh, I have a certain amount of contempt for you. I know you're trying to boost your career, mm. but I think you are largely creating noise. You can't possibly have. You I mean it's, it's alright to read all these studies. But like, oh, it it seems fine. Chuck it in. Is a really terrible. Is the evaluative procedure of one of these things. It seems like a really terrible way of, of approaching any large amount of information. Mm. So look, if you're doing that um, and you're listening, stop. Um, go and do some real 
primary research, do some methodology research. Do some, you need to do some methodologies are great, but if you just need to produce things, I mean, produce something that's not that, you idiot. Look, there's 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 space for it. There, there's room for it. And there's a genuine need. This is something that's that I do. It's not a genuine need, though. No, a lot it of is. There's a genuine need that every single topic we need to take the six to ten studies on the one topic, which you can read in the time it takes to read one of your enormous platters of convoluted bullshit. I think it's oh. important. I think it's something that um, f- really well suits the, the the opening chapter for a lot of uh, PhD theses. Think about That's it. fine. And if you look, if you've got 30 or 40 studies to summarize that have got important sub-effects within larger effects and you know what you're doing, that's all fine. If you're doing one simply because it's a great way to get a publicing, uh, publishings. Look, I've done a publishings. I've done seven publishings. I'm now officially clever. Oh, God, you're part of the problem. Push yourself down the stairs. Why not? Yeah, you, you don't want to be. Oh, look, I said I, I wasn't going to get angry today. I should have had breakfast, man. This is. I, I don't. I don't think um, if you're unless you're doing meta-analysis methods itself. I, I don't think you could really make a career solely doing meta-analysis. You have to actually understand. Really? The, we have to actually. Understand, yeah, I yeah, suppose so. Look, you have to. Uh, th- th- there's some great stuff going on in methods, and I think that that that's nice in itself, but. You have to demonstrate that you, that you can do... Well, I mean, I guess it's different between fields, but you have to demonstrate you can do experimental stuff or empirical. I mean, they say that meta-analysis is empirical research, but, I mean, you're not collecting the data yourself. There's just... There's so many things to consider. Um, and, uh, you know, and there are so many ways that you can do meta-analysis wrong, but the punishments don't seem to be as much as if you're doing uh, more strictly empirical research. But on the flip okay. side, it's much, much easier. See, here's the thing. It's almost a double-edged sword. A lot of people are doing meta-analysis, but even if you don't post your data, it's much, much, or explicitly post your data, it is much, much easier to check the quality of these analyses. By default, most people are presenting the plots which are generated in comprehensive meta-analysis. And by default, these plots display the standard errors and the standardized mean effect sizes. So you can actually pull these things and redo the analysis and figure out. And this is exactly, I mean, you can, you can either go through the studies and, and, um, and extract the data sets they talk about, or you can go straight to the forest plots, pull out the data and have a look yourself. Now, people who don't really have much of an understanding about effect sizes, they, they may see a, a, a Hedges G, a Cohen's D of four going, cool, four's all right, but, but four, is almost impossible. It's it's extremely implausible. But a lot of times you read a meta-analysis and there's like three studies with a Cohen's D of four. And you're like, hang on a minute. Obviously, there was a problem when it came to data extraction. These things happen, but these things only happen when you don't have an understanding of effect sizes of what a typical effect size would be and then how to actually do the analysis. So it's kind of great. The way that it's set up is that it's very, very easy to check if you're wrong, especially if you're using the uh, the the worst offender mm. of the software, it's not to say you can't do a good meta analysis with comprehensive meta analysis software. You can, but mm. uh, it's too easy, and uh, you, you you're not going to get thrown an error. You, you put numbers in, you're going to get a number. Whereas if you're using the say the metaphor package in R, um, it's uh, unless you're doing things correctly, you're going to get an error, and it forces you 
It you go through step by step. You um, you convert the effect sizes. And you do everything sequentially, and it forces you to actually understand what you're doing. Um, I tell you, I want to say something else about skills because that's what you originally asked about. Jump in. If I did not have the opportunity to, if it was a simple matter of uh, you have done this thing, you have learned to perform a certain task within the field of scientific endeavor. Now do it until the end of time. If that was the option available, if that was what you got, I would be so bored. Mm. The opportunity to go and do completely new, completely different stuff is one of the things that the idea that it's open and that you can go and come out with your own idea and apply it to something. If you have any degree of uh, agency over doing that, the idea that that's possible is is one of the things that keeps me coming back. Mm. That is, I, I do not understand not feeling excited about that. I don't know if that's something that is for everyone. I don't know if this constitutes advice. I guess it's just a personal reflection. No, seriously, I don't have the slightest idea. I, I, I hesitate to give people advice because I never think I, I know how well things generalize. Uh, but if I wasn't continually excited about having the opportunity to do that I, I, I don't know it would be a, it'd be a different world mm. you know are you not excited about the idea that someone someone builds a new piece of equipment there's a new thing to do there's new stuff to read and it happens every day it's this boiling sea of progress yeah and every time something comes out of it and it's interesting and you latch onto it it sets something off where there is a curiosity you feel like you can't stop and it could be anything within that. I see aggressively looking for more skills, not just in the sense of, oh, it'd be easier to get a job if you've got lots of skills, as much as there are certain people with certain personalities who thrive on not novelty as much as continuing to open insight into something, anything, as much as possible. And it just helps you understand. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's a maybe if you were if you were one of those people who who does uh, exercises in a room where everyone stands up and says their name and pretends to be a bird. Maybe you'd call it a, a growth mindset or a learning mindset or something like that. I don't know what the official term is, and neither do I care. But there is something there that I think you're. If you have that, science is a damn fine job for you. Mm. I think you have that because you know I've been interested in well, not not interested I mean you're already moderately interesting um, <laughs> it's but you know you started off in um, started off in biopsych and then have moved more into psych proper psychiatry mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. um, uh, you went from what is a Bayes factor to insisting that you put Bayes factors in all my papers. <laughs> um, and you've gone from meta-analysis are interesting and occasionally I might do one to I'm now capable of fully peer-reviewing other people's sophisticated meta-analyses and complaining about them a great deal in private, which is difficult to hear because it's boring. So... What's what's next apart from the apart from the genetics is probably a question that makes you want to come to work. Yeah. Oh, you you've hit the nail on the head. Um, 
the amount of times I'll come across a paper going, that method, that's cool. And I'll, I'll spend, mm. I'll, you know, I'll literally miss eating lunch, miss eating dinner, because I'm like, I have to nail this method. I have to learn it, pick it up, uh, try to apply it to my own data sets. And it's, um, I, I love learning new stuff because it just opens the, opens the toolbox. So for future analyses or future approaches, I'm like, okay, well, I know I can do this, but I can also try this and I can use this to better understand the data that I have. Or I can, I can do this because I'm going to do, I'm going to run a better experiment next time. And yeah, I mean, it, it all really comes together and it all comes down to, um, how can I more efficiently or how can I better learn things or learn things that I'm testing? And if it means picking up a certain skill set or just approaching experiments or studies in a different way, I think that's a that's a good thing. But oh, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. What, what would you say to someone who agreed with this in principle but didn't feel like they had the ability to... I mean, look, there's plenty of people who don't. We, we both have, to some degree, hardware-mediated approaches to this. Mm. Yeah. What would you say to someone who works in the social sciences? And you say, oh, go out and get skills. Skills are really good. Oh, they keep us up at night. Oh, we're such a pair of big dribbling nerds. <laughs> but people who don't work in our milieu. That's a good I, word. I guess, I guess I would go back to the idea of better understanding uh, your data. Now, to, to use an example, let's, um, and you, you mentioned it before, let's look at base factors a lot of people, oh yeah, I'll, I'll keep it brief, but you're in the social sciences, you get a non-significant result and that's it. You don't really, you, you can't, you don't know whether that means that there was no effect or whether the data was simply insensitive. Using null hypothesis significance testing, you don't know and then you, you, you can move along and do the thing. But if you learnt base factors, then you could actually, you could say, okay, there is evidence that we actually have evidence supporting the null model over the alternative. Um, maybe that's what you were after in the first place. Maybe you were hoping that two groups were different. You can do that now. Or maybe you can say, you know what? The data were actually too insensitive. Whereas before, you couldn't actually do that. Now, that in itself is a selling point to learn, among many, but that in itself is a selling point to learn how to do base factors. You get to understand your data better. Hmm. Not convinced. I like that. No, I think that's a that's a that's a good that's a good perspective on it. I mean, it might be difficult for someone who's not mathematically minded. Say you're in like personality or individual differences or sociology or something, and you mm. have some not particularly sophisticated analyses, but you, there's 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 something that needs to be quantified. Mm. Um. If you move even further away from that and you still work with, within the umbrella of the social sciences, do you know what? If I was there and I'm like, oh, I've got to pick something up from, from, from scratch, let's think, about, let's think about what I could know that would be really super useful. I think I know what I'd do if I didn't already know how to do it. I'd learn be? to do good qualitative analysis. Yeah. Because that's a that's a skill I have I have dabbled with the mindset and software etc necessary to do this, and it is interesting. I thought it would be a total waste of time because obviously this is this was for a job. This is someone like can someone learn this and help me do something? I'm like oh free skill free money, 
Oh, well, not free money. You have to do work, but you know, as I, I, I might have done that any, I might have done that anyway without being paid out of out of sheer curiosity. What I was interested in is the fact that I really value the quality of observations that are communicated in language like that. When someone says something and you look at it and you're like, that feels key. That feels like it's part of a theme. Uh, this could all be me pushing my own interpretation on the data. But when you see that, as much it is, as, as it is a qualitative assessment that you're making, I don't want to devalue that. I think that is an interesting insight in its own right. Mm. And I had, I had good fun learning this stuff. I had, I, I, it was particular. I never had to do that much of it because it's wildly inconsistent with my normal day-to-day research activities. I was going to say, it's a bit but of if a I, leap. If I, if I didn't know how to, if I, if I was in the social sciences in general, I didn't know how to do that, especially if you're working on a, a, something. That, the, more, the more messy it is, the more people are involved. It's absolutely something. Absolutely something I'd consider as a discrete skill. Mm. You know, we're both answering the question, like, well, if you don't have answer, if you don't have access to data that it's coming out of a machine somewhere, uh, what would you, what what do you think? What do you think is a good thing to pursue? Now, the nice part about both of these things that we've just said is that we have the internet now. Now, this is I have no idea how I would have run my brain properly before the internet. It's crazy, because hey? The idea that there are instantaneous answers to sophisticated questions that already exist is something that in the 90s, I suppose, I managed to adopt entirely, wholesale. And if I ever had to give that up, you have know, these things like, oh, the internet's ruining people's perspective memory or their long-term memory or whatever, whatever else, you know. Oh, the internet's destroying the brains of our children. Yeah, look, um, it's the greatest engine of human progress that i can think of is the idea that the knowledge is already there now here's a good example because both of the things we just said i am certain you can learn for free on the internet i don't have any resources immediately to hand to do what i just said because it's a little bit off topic but dan if you were out on the internet and i was a psychologist following your advice go out and learn base factors it will better inform your data it's interesting where would you go i i mean do 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 a bit of googling but i would actually pick up um jasp our favorite uh software and then within there there's um they actually have papers within the help functions and that's where you can get started um there is a great paper which i'll post on the notes which um, it has a matrix of, um, it basically says these are the important papers to read if you're interested in base factors. And it has a matrix of applied versus theoretical and easy versus hard. There's 30 papers and they, they all fit on all four um, corners of this matrix. So if you're thinking, yep, yeah, cool, I, I actually have a decent understanding of maths. Um, I, I'm going to hit more of the theoretical stuff. That's fine. But if you don't, um, then you can um, uh, then you can actually um, read the more applied stuff, and you can get into it and go from there. Um, and just um, you know, follow people on Facebook and Twitter who uh, do this stuff. Um, 
as their specialty. They're, they're always posting fantastic things. That's how I've learned by following these people, um, by reading and by using and playing with my own data. There are, there's data sets within these packages, but there's nothing quite like actually getting your own data from stuff you've done in the past, going, well, I know how this works within a frequentist framework, but what happens when I actually start doing some Bayesian analysis? Um, and then you learn, you learn quite a bit. So that that's how I would um, that's how I would get started. Good answer. Mm. How is how important has the social media has been for you learning this stuff? Ah, oh, enormous. Um, I wouldn't. Firstly, I wouldn't really understand the the importance. Say, I never was on Facebook or never on Twitter. Well, I'm, you're never on Facebook to start with. All, well, you do is, all you do is pop up to defend yourself after I try and insert yeah, slurs yeah. into your character. Uh, so, yeah, not, not on that. But I don't do that anonymously. I always want you to know that I'm yeah. using your good name. On no, the uh, yeah. No, it has no, to be no, fair. No king, no king hits here. But um, if, I, <laughs> if I wasn't, um, if I wasn't on, um, on, on social media... Um, I wouldn't. Um, firstly, I wouldn't know the importance of it, uh, it especially within psychiatry. There, not many people are actually reporting base factors. Maybe a lot, it's happening a bit within brain imaging, but other than that, it's not happening. However, from actually following these people and following the conversations, I can see uh, just how much better, how much of a better approach it is. So first, I see the importance, and then I actually learn how to do it. These people aren't going, "Hey guys, what you're doing is stupid." And then running away, they're going, hey, guys, what you're doing is stupid. Here's how you remedy it. Here's how you fix mm. it. So it's, so it's good in that sense. And if it wasn't for Twitter and to a lesser extent Facebook, I wouldn't even know this is a problem in the first place. Like I, I saw some person have a survey, uh, put a survey out to their, to their colleagues in their department going, "What?" Well, I think I've mentioned this before, but they were going, what do you think of the reproducibility crisis? And um, about, about 15% were like, what is the reproducibility crisis? Yes, and I think I would almost guarantee those people are not on social media. This is slowly filtering its way through the journals. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's it's been spoken about a little bit, um, but this has been the, the social media is almost years ahead, and there's constant discussions. You, yep. that, that's how you that's figure true. these things out. Um, otherwise, how do you how do you know these these things move at a glacial pace? Well, this is like there's two. You know, I'm more of a fan of writing to people in detail to have detailed discussions. But if you don't know something's a problem, if you don't know the discussion should be had, how mm. should you be exposed to a community full of people who are having a conversation that exists outside of you? And the answer, of course, is the Twitters. The Twitters. As much yeah. as it's the cancer of the soul, you know, it's handy in other contexts. Now, the nice part, the nice part about the Twitters is that if you're me uh, and you don't use it except to stop people from stealing your identity, <laughs> I, can go, I can go to your Twitter. I can look at what's happening. I have absolutely no need to participate in some of it because it makes me want to saw my own feet off, but that's fine. I just, uh, I just make my way through to um, all the good stuff that's elsewhere. Yeah. It's 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 all there, yeah. and you, and you can do that. You can you can look through people's accounts. I know a lot of people exactly the same as pro, same approach as you. They have the username. They're there. It's parked, and they pop on and uh, and see what people have been talking about. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's really uh, handy. And it's, occasionally, someone will say, "Did you see all this dust up on Twitter?" And I'll say, "No." 
But send, send, me the, send me the link. But I will go and look if you promise it's particularly bloody and embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you, you know, you know, it gets bad when there's a um, when 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 they they, they delete their account. Oh right, does that happen? <laughs> I don't think that happens in science very much. Ah, uh, yeah, I think, think things get heated. People that's... people people either switch to to a private account or they um or they delete it um altogether. Um, <laughs> um, or people get people get blocked or, or all this kind of stuff. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of anger. On Twitter, people people get fired up, and uh, you know it's 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 fine. Yeah, it's get... difficult. It's difficult to be fired up in tiny little snippets without sort of annoying each other. Everyone everyone thinks they're Oscar fucking wild, you know. <laughs> and look, trust me, the vast majority of you are not, not even in the same ballpark. You're not even wearing the cravat of Oscar Wilde. <laughs> You're um. Yeah, so people stir each other up and it can be very... Uh, yeah. The aspect of something being instantly transferred between people and all that in the public domain, it can, it can yeah, it can be very, uh, it can be very negative. Mm. And uh, there's an awful lot of people whose opinions are drivel um, and in a just world would be pushed into a volcano, but there's nothing you can do about it. Welcome to the public domain. On that note... We've done... Um, we'll, um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah <laughs> this is... Uh, this, of course, I have to end things on a sunny note. Dan, would you like to do your usual hagiography of people who are nice to us? Yeah, um, people have been nice to us on um, on Twitter. Um, I've had two people say separately within the last week uh, that they find their uh, language that they use and or aggression towards scientific problems uh, changing because of the podcast. As wow. in now, what is- uh, uh, no, it's not necessarily a good thing. Um, it's more <laughs> the fact that the, you get to some point in time and you say, well, my candid opinion is that both of them can go fuck themselves. Like, oh, that felt really good. <laughs> we did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's be honest. You did more of that than me. Yeah, probably. You unstable, unpleasant hairy northern gentleman well the uh so yeah it's, it's good to hear feedback that's that was super funny though i very much enjoyed both oh, i'm not going to embarrass you by telling you who you are you know, mm. you're out there swearing and rampaging your way through the world like the vikings you should be mm. more more power to your viking arms i say thank you very much for listening we appreciate it. Dan appreciates it mm. a great deal. You should see his little eyes light up when, when he knows that people are paying attention to something that he said. Yeah. It's like watching a child on Christmas receive a shiny red fire truck. <laughs> it is it is nice. So keep it coming. Uh, write, write reviews on, on iTunes as well. We, we would love that. I want Please. topics. I want people to do yeah. something you Send think should be addressed. I'll take an academic horror story. We haven't had one for a while. Actually, I've had a few, but I can't really tell them in context because, I mean, some people's conflict is, is makes a good story, but it's almost impossible to pull it out of context. Mm. Um, you know, the, the ongoing quest for realism within, the, within being a junior scientist. That's how it is. Yeah. So, you know, academic horror stories. Yeah, if you've got anything to say... Send it to uh, us. Add it to the pile. I'd like to get some more because we've been doing our own topics for a while because we keep forgetting to ask. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. Even if it's something 
like you think we might not do, <laughs> we might surprise you. Yeah, we'll, we're, 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 we're open. Um, follow us on social media. Dan's really open. <laughs> follow us on social media, at Herds Podcast on Twitter, if you're into that thing. Um, and um, Hertz, Everything Hertz Podcast on Facebook as well. Share our posts, comment on them. It's a great way to actually um, give us uh, feedback or, or, or tell us stuff. Tell us when we're wrong. We've had a few people do that, and that's great. We want to make sure that you know we can correct the record if we if we do that. Yeah, but, well, it uh, also means we it also means we learn something. Yeah, exactly. We uh, like learning things. Yes, so I like learning things. We will wrap it up for this week, but uh, until next time. Yeah. See ya.